0: From the Gettysburgian and 91.1 WZBT Gettysburg, I'm Ben Ponce, and this is On Target.
1: I'm Mary Fraser. Today on On Target, we'll talk about a campus merger, reusable bags, and the business major proposal.
0: Then I'll sit down with the new chief of the Gettysburg Borough Police, Rob Glenny. Stay with us. Let's get into the news. So the first thing, uh, something that I guess has been in the works now for a little while, but was uh, duly announced, the Garthwaite Leadership Center uh, and the Gettysburg Recreation Adventure Board, two organizations more commonly known by their respective acronyms as the GLC and GRAB, uh, are going to be merging, uh, or as apparently Andy Hughes wants everyone to call it, integrating uh, into one experiential education leadership thing name I believe is still TBD Uh, at the end of this year it's a one-year integration process Uh, it, it comes on the heels of Tucker Little who was the director of experiential education leaving the college in the spring Paul Miller has been promoted Uh, to director of the GLC. Andy Hughes has been promoted to executive director of the GLC, and there is still no associate director of the GLC, so they just respectively got title bumps. Uh, But in any case, there's also a new person that they've hired uh, to assist with this transition who has the title of assistant director, Uh, and there's currently an assistant director who is already an assistant director of experiential education. So there are four people, uh, four staff types, uh, and uh, that's down from five i suppose well no that's still four because denise Schaefer is still supporting both of those organizations administratively in any case uh you know some changes have happened mary thoughts
1: um i think it's good because they're both um groups that will facilitate um you, not necessarily leadership but Both organizations facilitate groups, you know what I mean? So with GLC, you're facilitating learning good leadership skills um, and how to be successful in life. And then with Grab, they're facilitating. um, I've never been on a Grab trip, but from what I understand, they're facilitating the group as they're doing their physical and outdoor activities. Um, So I think while maybe initially it didn't seem like the best merger, I think it makes sense Um, and it seems to be going, I mean, I'm not really involved in either organization, but it doesn't seem to be going non-smoothly. Um,
0: yeah. Paul Miller does have a background in experiential education uh, where at his previous institution, he did, I believe he was some sort of a founding director of, of those sorts of activities. So, you know, there is some cohesion there. Uh, one thing that apparently still needs to be ironed out is that GRAB student staff members are not paid, whereas GLC student staff people are paid. And so they're working, I believe, to pay. They will eventually, I guess, be paying some GRAB staff. But currently there are a lot, an awful lot of students involved in GRAB. So I think that's still something that's being worked out.
1: Well, I'm just confused. So is GRAB just not going to technically like is the name not going to exist next year?
0: I don't know that that's been ironed out. I I think that that is the name is something in particular that I think they are still working on. I mean, I think Grab has some brand recognition around campus as being, you know, the people that do the outdoor stuff. Uh, And the GLC obviously has its own brand identity, mostly as the GLC, uh, rather than as the Garthwaite Leadership Center necessarily. Um, Although, of course, last spring there was some discussion about that, and I thought a while, they might just literally rename it the GLC and not have it stand for anything um, like they did with the FFA, which, by the way, no longer stands for the Future Farmers of America. It's just the FFA. That's weird. Indeed. Uh, so in any case, we'll see how this goes. But the uh, the college, I think, would would not probably admit this in the first uh, conversation about it, but I imagine there are some cost savings that might eventually be realized um, with something like this, although who knows? They they just promoted two people, who are still one is still reporting to the other, uh, and we'll see what happens.
1: My other question is location. I feel like GLC and Grav are not ideally located on campus for them to be the same thing. So, um, I mean, GLC just moved into Cub, right? And we are now where. GLC it's, was. The so the
0: Virgin has <laughs> well I mean the Getis Virgin you can depending how you look at it the Getis Virgin has reclaimed its old space. Uh, the GLC uh once kicked out the the Gettys Virgin. The Getis Virgin is now back.
1: <laughs> um so my question is yeah. just is Grab losing space as well um in this integration or is Grab going to have like You know, be out of the GLC, but have its own space, but be in Cub, because I feel bad for everyone who's running both um, organizations, because that's a lot of walking back and forth.
0: Yeah. And of course, Grab has a lot of equipment. Yeah. Everything from, you know, life jackets that can be moved to canoes that, you know, you're not easily going to find space to store a bunch of canoes in the Cub, I'm (laughs) guessing.
1: Off the railings. It can be our part
0: of our decor.
1: Yeah, definitely. Get
0: a new interior decorator for that kind of big, you know, multi-level <laughs> space. Yeah, well, we'll make we'll have to, you know, see how that goes. Okay, so in any in any case, that's happening. In other news, as of today, we're recording this Monday, September the 16th. Today is the first day that plastic bags cost you 10 cents at the bullet hole. And they gave everyone what I would characterize as a pretty flimsy reusable bag as some sort of penance for that because they're trying to, um, I guess, incentivize students to use uh, reusable bags. This is an initiative that was taken up. And in fact, last spring, we interviewed Nadine Snyder on this podcast, who was at the time the chair of the Student Senate Sustainability Committee. This is one of her uh, big pushes. Mike Bishop from the Bullet Hole has been involved with this. And Lauren Alquist from Facilities Services are kind of the seem to be the triumvirate that are behind this. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But reaction to not being able to have a plastic bag for free,
1: I'm super excited for the reusable bags. Um, let me tell you, Ben, love this planet and Do want to me. help it. Um, so I think this is a long time coming. I'm really, excited. Yes, they're a little flimsy, but you know, they're free, so um I'm not going to complain too much. Um I will complain about how they're handing them out though. I'm a little confused as to how that's working. I received mine um, during a fire drill. Shout out to Apple Hall. I haven't received my bag yet, sir. I really would like my bag. Anyway, um, I really like it. Um, I've recently purchased a rather large um, Tupperware that I now bring to Bullet, so I don't even use plastic unless I have to. Um, So obviously a really big earth girl over here. Um, So I'm really into the reusable bags. I also love that they're charging for the plastic bags because I feel like people would be like, Oh, just give me a plastic bag. Like I forgot my reusable bag at home. But if you charge 10 cents, maybe people won't do that.
0: Yeah. I don't know how much of a disincentive 10 cents is going to provide when everyone has, well, not everyone, but an awful lot of people have an awful lot of monopoly money. i.e., dining dollars.
1: I'm personally on the seven meal plan, Ben, and it gets a little um, bit of a struggle by the end of the week. So I don't have dining dollars to play around with. I think it should be a rule that you can't use dining dollars for the plastic bags. Um, I'm, set the pr- consider this my proposal, that you can't use dining dollars for plastic bags. Let's save the earth. Do you want your grandchildren to live in the garbage dump? I know I don't want my grandchildren living in a garbage dump. And those are my feelings about how we have reusable bags now.
0: Hot takes here from Mary. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they did, the, the bags that they previously used were supposedly... Uh, environmentally friendly bags insofar as they, they are could be. still plastic well they are but they were supposed to be able to be recycled Though apparently the way you had to recycle them involved this strange process that it included some amount of heat and no one actually recycled them and so Did we they
1: were, know that
0: uh well i learned this when nadine told us about it last spring
1: Yeah, so moral of the story is reusable bags are just the way to go, because that's just, no one wants to do that. Me, the Earth Girl, doesn't even want to have to heat up my bag so it can be recycled, so, like, let's just use reusable and not worry about it.
0: Marry the Earth Girl. Okay, Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's likely that, and they're apparently also donating a portion of the 10 cents unclear what portion and unclear how much this will ever add up to such that it would be worth someone going to the trouble to write a check but to some organization that has something to do with the ocean that's really oh, all I have to share about.
1: I think it's like four oceans that or something right. um for the plastic bags
0: yes for every plastic bag they sell they're going to donate a portion of the 10 cents to this organization
1: I feel like that would have to sell nullifies what they're doing
0: Well, I mean, I guess the argument is either you save the earth by uh, using a reusable bag or you save the earth by having a penance donated to this organization.
1: If you use plastic bags, I will give you the stink eye. I'm just letting you know now.
0: Well, you should feel free to wander into my Gettysburg office, which has a cachet of previously used plastic bags from bullet. They're not in a landfill. They're just there for future reuse.
1: Why are you like this? Unclear. Okay,
0: moving right along. Uh, I was just experiencing the stink eye, I suppose.
1: You definitely were.
0: What else is on that list? I don't even know. I the wrote business like major. Ah, oh, the business major, yes. So, uh, last week we devoted a significant portion of the news segment uh, of this podcast discussing the fact that a business major was forthcoming, and as of last Thursday, it has come. Uh, The management department in in consultation, in partnership, in co-sponsorship, there's the word I'm looking for, with the Academic Policy and Program Committee, uh, APPC, because everything has an acronym, uh, co-sponsored this motion, brought it to the faculty on Thursday, and got a grand total of zero negative comments after last spring. It was a real controversial issue. Frankly, I didn't see a whole lot of wheels spinning. I saw a whole lot of eyes glazed over as the proposal was being presented. I think maybe everyone exhausted all of the energy they had to rail about this last spring. But in my conversations with people who have been on the faculty for a while and tend to know how to read the room at these faculty meetings, it seems like it's going to sail.
1: Interesting. Um... So, is it a dual major?
0: No, it is no longer a dual major. It is now, they so they have renamed, and this is actually funny, they have renamed <laughs> the OMS major to be the Business, Organizations, and Management major, or BOM for short.
1: Oh well, my it's not, god. It's not
0: clear to me that the acronym has dawned on them yet, but... Uh,
1: but it's, even if you switch it around, it'd be mob. So, like, if <laughs> really... That's a
0: possibility, yes. It could be the Businesses, Management, and Organization major, I suppose. The BMO. B- the BMO. Yeah, I mean, that's a little better than... But you're right. It, we, the choices are the bomb <laughs> or the mob. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. You would think that the marketing and branding people, you know, that this major is going to include one of the things that the new major will include is courses in marketing. So you would think that maybe the bomb <laughs> would have dawned on them, unless they're OK with it being called the bomb. I mean,
1: it's the Bomb.com. Yeah, com.
0: I suppose. Uh, but in any case, that's one particular point of it that at least I find funny. Um, but other than that, it will be. A, so there's a two track there will be two tracks within one major, one that will be explicitly business focused. The other one will be fairly similar to the current OMS major. Uh, Bennett Bruce, who is one of the faculty members in the department who has been involved in presenting this, presenting this proposal over the last few months uh, said that last (laughs) spring, they were not prepared to rip up their current OMS major uh, given that it had just gone through an external review that they say was positive, but, after the feedback they received from the faculty, they realized the only way they could really do this right, so to say, uh, was to create a new major and call it business. There's this. Uh, the, the other thing that was interesting about this was how it was presented. Uh, before the faculty discussed it, Chris Zappi, the provost, came to the front of the room and read a lengthy statement from the head of enrollment, uh, who was not able to be there, about how essentially. You know, the blood of the blood of, you know, the blood will be on your hands if the college goes down and, uh, you know, goes down in flames because no one will enroll because we don't have a business major.
1: Tell me this is a direct quote.
0: That was not a direct quote. That's my summary.
1: Oh, man.
0: But that was the takeaway from the from the little speech that Zappy read on her behalf. She said she opened by saying it's important to note that all curricular decisions rest with the faculty. And then she said, that said, and proceeded to make a pretty strong and, and in fairness, a fairly compelling case that uh, that this was something that that may help the college attract students in what is an increasingly competitive admissions marketplace, particularly for liberal arts colleges, particularly in the Northeast, where the population is declining. Uh, you know, people didn't have as many babies in two thousand eight, and uh, you know those kids will be going to college pretty soon, so you know want to be prepared for that. What else is going on at Gettysburg College that you're aware of? Uh, this weekend, I believe, is the International Food Festival?
1: It is? I don't know what the theme is, though. I'm not on cab.
0: Is there a theme? I didn't even know there was a theme every year.
1: There's a theme every year, Ben. You're a senior. It Come always, on. It always
0: happens during marching band, so I never go.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate. Well, And I- this
0: year, once again, it will happen during marching band, so I'm unlikely to go.
1: That is But people seem to
0: have a good time.
1: They do seem to have a good time. Um, it's always really nice. I remember, I think it was last year it got rained out, so it was in Servo, which was a bit of a bummer. Um, but my freshman year, it was really nice. So hopefully we can hope for good weather.
0: Indeed. So. Of course, if the, if there's bad weather, that also negatively affects the marching band. So, of course, I will also hope for good weather.
1: Ah, I, I guess that's a good thing.
0: I know. I'm quite altruistic in that way.
1: You are. Um, I'd also like to stick in here that um, Gari would like everyone to know that her major is awesome and that she will find a job and that when Ben made fun of it a few weeks ago, it was for his own personal gain and not true at all.
0: All of those things are probably accurate. And, uh, yeah, now I guess Gari gets her retort. But, uh, you know, well... I'll take another opportunity. And Mary thought that it would be a good idea in our office to have multiple clocks to indicate uh, our time zone, the Eastern time zone, and then Gari's time zone, where Gari is.
1: Abroad, Gari is an integral part of the Gettys version, and I felt it was very important that we knew what time she was on.
0: And I agreed, but I told Gari this week that I resisted the urge to make Gari time just fifteen minutes late from regular time.
1: He just cannot <laughs> ever get off her case, Gari. I am so sorry that I can't control him better. I love you and I miss you.
0: And uh, I did tell Gari that directly before I decided to put it on the podcast. So
1: oh, good. Uh,
0: Maybe we'll get a response from Gary for next week's podcast that we could uh, we could air so that she could continue to be, uh, you know, involved.
1: I miss Gari. I'll use any excuse to have Gari on the podcast. All right. All
0: right, that's going to wrap it up for our news segment. We'll be right back with the bullet report, followed by my interview with the chief of the Gettysburg Borough Police, Rob Glenny. It's time for the Bullet Report. On September 11th, the field hockey team defeated Alvernia 3 2. The men's soccer team defeated Stevenson 3 2. The volleyball team lost to Marymount 3 0. The men's cross country team on the 13th lost, or excuse me, defeated Franklin and Marshall 41 16. The volleyball team lost to New York University 3 0. The men's cross country team lost to Dickinson 42 19. The women's cross country team lost to Dickinson 50 15 and lost to Franklin and Marshall 47 16 at the same event. The women's golf team finished first of three at the Dickinson quad match. The volleyball team uh, defeated Keene 3 2. The volleyball team also defeated Moravian 3 1 on the 14th. The men's soccer team defeated Lycoming 2-1. The football team got schlacked by her sinus 48-10. The field hockey team defeated Muhlenberg 4-0. And the women's soccer team defeated Lebanon Valley 4-1. Thus endeth the bullet report. We'll be right back with Rob Glennie. We are pleased to be joined today by the chief of the Gettysburg Borough Police, Rob Glenny. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem, Ben. Thanks for having me. So you've now been chief of the Gettysburg Police for a few months. What made you decide to apply for the job and and move to Gettysburg? Well, first of all, I mean, I I don't know who,
2: if they wanted to be a... a Smaller town police chief wouldn't be thrilled with the prospect of being the chief of police of Gettysburg. I mean, it, it, it's it's known at least nationally, if not internationally. And and you know, I can always say, you know, somebody says, you know, where do you work? Oh, I'm the chief of police of Gettysburg, and I I am tremendously proud to have that distinction. Uh, I jokingly tell people when you drive down 15, if you look at a sign, it says Gettysburg next six exits. So people that don't know think that we have a you know a huge city, and I have three or four hundred or a thousand policemen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, it's I, I I've really enjoyed being here. I, I, I love the community. Um, it uh, when when I was looking to move back to Pennsylvania, I uh, saw that Gettysburg was hiring, and I was just thrilled. Again, who, who wouldn't want to be the the chief of Gettysburg? Um, I grew up in a small town similar to Gettysburg. I went to a small college similar to Gettysburg College. Uh, I worked the majority of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, For the Ferguson Township Police in Center County, which is Center County State 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 College (laughs) where Penn State is, uh, I think I have a pretty good idea of, of how town and gown relations should look. Uh, I think I've got a pretty good grasp of police student interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 love it here. I absolutely love it here. It, it, it's awesome to be home. I moved to Colorado for a few years, was a police chief out there. Uh-huh. Uh, and you know, it, not to slam Colorado, but it wasn't home. Right. Uh, Pennsylvania home, uh, Gettysburg is now home. Mm -hmm. And I say that completely. I I love it here. I I just love the the, uh, who would not want to be the chief (laughs) of police of the probably the most historically significant small town in the United States.
0: There you go. Um, what are kind of some of the early goals you've had during your tenure, and what are what are you working on these days? Well, you, the, the things I'm really working
2: on are collaborative relationships with a lot of different entities, whether you know whether they be public safety entities, law enforcement entities, um, social service entities. Uh, you know, and my my main philosophy for policing is that that we need to be problem solvers. We're going to be a problem solving police agency. A solving problem-oriented police agency is where we need to be. Mm -hmm. And in this day and age, there are very, very few problems that the police solely can solve, that social services can solely solve. And to truly solve a problem, we need to get there. We need to throw all the resources that we have at that problem and fix it Mm -hmm. so that we're not back there two weeks, a month, three weeks, tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. Dealing with the same problem again, so that's what I'm looking for is this this collaborative ro- approach to public safety. You know, I in this in this department I had I had the luxury of replacing an interim chief who came in and whom I'm familiar with, and I knew that if there were any major issues, that uh, Carl Segetti, the interim chief would have addressed them mm-hmm. or, or, or probably addressed them. So unlike the last apartment where I when I went to Colorado, I had the luxury of coming in here and being able to sit back and take things in mm-hmm. and, and not having to, you know, frantically make change. Um, so... I spent my first month, two months, three months sitting back watching things happen. Uh, I did put in some policies right away when I got here, um, and and you know a, a lot of that could be individual chiefs tweaking mm-hmm. the way they want the police department to work. But my my one of my other big things, you know, that that I really stress is it's not my police department. Uh, it's a team, and mm-hmm. it's it's ju- I'm the person they chose to lead it, and uh, it's it's actually your police department, and and I tell people. And this is kind of the attitude I'm trying to get the guys to take in is we don't work for the borough Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. I work for the people of the borough Gettysburg. And a lot of people, ah, it's just semantics. It's not. It's not. It's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I came in, sat back. I want to see, you know, what the folks here want, what the folks here want to see, coupled with what I have to do and things we have right. to do. And and uh, so we made a lot of policy changes right away. Um, we will have a completely new policy manual by the end of the year, middle of next year. Uh, we've got 60 pushed out so far. We use a policy service called Lexapol. Great thing about Lexapol is it'll give me some model policies, and then I can tweak those so they fit in Gettysburg, because if there's one thing I've learned in... Thirty plus years of law enforcement mm-hmm. can't take a square peg and drive it down in that round hole. It's right. got to fit. Right. It's got to fit what you want, what the people want. So we make that happen. Um, and one of my one of my biggest goals, at least by the end of next year, I want to be well on the way to accreditation through Pennsylvania's Law Enforcement Accreditation Council or Pleac. Uh, I'm familiar with that. We had, we worked on that in Ferguson Township where I was before in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, I want that here. And it's kind of a feather in our cap, but it's it's also a liability buster because it it, it makes you know. That if you're going to hold somebody to a standard, one of the, one of my favorite phrases I've heard, and I didn't invent this, somebody gave it to me, is if you're going to hold somebody to a standard, you better have a standard to hold them to. And if you're accredited, you know you've got those standards right. in place. And the nice thing with the PLEAC accreditation is it doesn't tell you how you have to tell somebody to do something. It just tells you you have to tell them to do something. Right. So you know, you've know you got to give them guidance on handcuffing, for example. doesn't matter how you want to handcuff as long as it's legal, right. but you've got to give them guidance in the form of policy and procedure mm-hmm. on handcuffing. So the, 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 it, the, it's, it works well for us, and that's one of my big goals, and I, and I really think that it will be good for the community in general to see you know mm-hmm. Gettysburg Borough Police Department, a PLEAC-accredited right. agency. <laughs>
0: And so as you're working on this kind of policy review and, and, and implementing new policies, is there a particular kind of guiding philosophy or questions that you're asking yourself as, as you decide what what ultimately is going to fit in Gettysburg that might not in, in some of the model policies well, or whatever? Uh, you know,
2: as, as, as I said before, it's a, it's a problem-oriented policing approach, and... and um, Don't get me wrong. When when I say, you know, my job is not to arrest people, part of my job is to arrest people. And, you know, my goodness, somebody needs arrest, I'm going to arrest them. Right. Uh, But but that's only a small part. And that arrest is part of a solution most of the time Mm -hmm. to to a bigger problem. And that's where this resource-driven thing comes in, and that's where this collaboration comes in. So as I'm setting these policies and procedures – I always try to do that with an eye on collaboration, whether that be with the with college, whether that be with the hospital,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, domestic violence shelters, whatever the case may be. I need to make sure that building that policy, there's some collaborative effort that's going to happen mm-hmm. in most things. And the other thing that I'm really big on, I've been convinced about it almost my whole career, is, and, and I kind of coined this phrase, and I don't know if I dreamed it up or I heard it somewhere, but I call it my T-squared approach. Mm-hmm. Trust and transparency. We have got to be transparent in operation, earn the people's trust, mm-hmm. and trust is key. Um, and then the the biggest factor that drives me and how I lead and how I work the police department, or or, or try to have them work, is uh, I'm I consider myself almost a disciple of a, a man named Sir Robert Peel. And Sir Robert Peel, it was the most people call him the father of modern policing. And he was the head of the London Metropolitan Police Department almost 200 years ago. Mm -hmm. And he created or has been credited with creating nine principles of modern policing, again, almost 200 years ago, that are so wholly appropriate today Mm -hmm. in policing and community-oriented policing that it's incredible to me and mind-boggling to me that this man had that much foresight and forethought to to, to do these things back then. Um, My favorite, which would be principle number seven, and this is a real paraphrase because there's a lot of other words in there with it, but the police are the public, the public are the police. Mm -hmm. No better way of saying it, no better way to sit back and and think about how Chief Glennie is going to guide the Gettysburg Police Department than to bring up that principle. Mm -hmm. And, And one of the other ones that I seem to quote a lot lately is that we as a police agency can't be political, and we have to be as apolitical as possible. And another one of his principles, and the number escapes me. I want to say it's five, and not that that matters. But uh, it, again, paraphrasing is the police can't pander to public opinion, mm-hmm. they need to earn respect. They need to earn the friendship of the folks we work for by impartial observance to the law. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of another way I look and I try to guide things. So, you know, with, with those several things that I just spouted off there in mind, mm-hmm. that's kind of my mindset as to how I run the police department, how I'm trying to guide the police department, how I'm creating and crafting some of these policies. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's been the big thing other than than learning town, learning the people, learning the guys. One of my first things was to come in and learn the guys and see what they need. And, Mm -hmm. and they, they had a good many needs that, 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 um, you know, we've addressed and some things that just hadn't been looked at over the years. And and we're starting to look at those. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the big ones is training. I'm a big, big fan of law enforcement training. Always have been, always will be. It was a trainer for a long time. And, you know, I, I want to get. Our guys to as much training as we can possibly get them to. Um, we've bumped up range time because you know that's one of the most litigious things we do is carry a firearm. So we need to be trained not just how to punch those holes in the paper, but when to, when to shoot, when not to shoot, what to say, and. You'll do, and and I won't bore you with countless numbers <laughs> of stories. But when it comes to law enforcement and training, and kind of they call it muscle memory and things like that, you do as you train. You train it, and if you train as you do, you'll do as you train. Because you ever heard the old adage, "Practice makes perfect"? Mm-hmm. It's not true. <laughs> Perfect practice makes perfect. Right. Practice makes permanent. So if we practice perfectly and we practice enough that we're, we're doing it perfectly, then our reactions will be perfect. And and, and that's the ultimate goal because we're going to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more training we get and to make sure we train right um, – We're looking at that. We have specialists in several areas. That's another thing that that as a small police agency, we have to be really specially driven. As you can tell, I don't like to talk. So (laughs) uh, we need to be really specially driven. So I have a couple criminal investigation specialists, let's Mm -hmm. say, on each of my squads. And the police department is broken down into two squads, squad A and squad B. So each squad now has, on top of our detective we have a criminal investigation specialist, so they're going to help handle more of some of the more advanced criminal stuff that comes in for each squad. We have training specialists, firearms spe- specialists, driving under the influence enforcement specialists, community oriented policing specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, we have—I actually have appointed since I've been here a liaison to the college DPS. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sergeant Pruy is our, our liaison to DPS, so they, you know, and it, instead of having problems like there may or may not have been in the past, we talk, right? It, yeah. How much simpler can you make it than that?
0: Well, you've mentioned a few times uh, various kind of community-oriented approaches, and I'm—I read an article last year, and I don't remember what publication it was in, but it said essentially that we expect too much of the modern police force to be social workers and firefighters and and security and and you know teachers and mentors and everything else, and I'm wondering. The extent to which you think that's true or whether it's just a kind of a reality of the situation that now you're just adapting to that reality. It,
2: it, it's a reality of situation. It is true. It's mm-hmm. a reality of the situation. It's a reality of the way things are, and it's a financial reality nowadays. The, and I call – first of all, if, if you were to call back to my old police department mm-hmm. in, in Colorado, I guarantee you that the young lady would, that answered the phone, if you said to her, what would Chief Glennie not allow you to say? Her response to you would have been, that's not my job because if, if you're a policeman and you work for an agency that Rob Glennie runs, those words should not be uttered from your mouth. That's not my job because it is your job. Our job is to find a solution or facilitate a solution to every problem we encounter. And let's face it, Ben, if you call the police, you're not calling to say, hey, how you doing, guys? Right. You're calling the police because you have a significant event that is occurring in your life. As a matter of fact, I'll go out on a limb and say it's the most important thing to you at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. It needs to be treated that way. So if I say to you, not my job, it's a civil problem, go somewhere else,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that's not an appropriate answer. We're here to help you. We're here to serve you. We should be guiding you to problems. Now, oftentimes the solution we may come up with is not the solution you want. Sorry, that's life. Right. (laughs) But we should be finding that solution to you. And even if it's not a traditional police matter, and I'm using my fingers as quotes (laughs) here for those who are listening, um, you know, we still should help. Mm-hmm. Find that solution or guide you to an area where you can get that solution. So it's a civil problem, let's say. We should guide you to an attorney, or we should say, well, you might want to contact an attorney, or you might want to contact legal aid. Or if you're a student, maybe you want to contact legal affairs at the college. I don't know what they're called up here yet. I haven't right. learned that yet. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we should be helping with that. Would you like me to help you get in touch with them? Let me see if I can find you that number. Something along those lines. That's helpful. Right. Just not my problem is not helpful. Right. So that's not my job is not something we should say. So, that you know, that, with that in mind, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. But, you know, it's kind of resource-driven nowadays. And, again, we need to bring all those resources into bear on a problem, and we need to be one of them, even if it's not a traditional police matter. I'll tell you one more thing here. Um, you know, one, one of my proudest moments as, as a police officer, as a police supervisor, and as a friend was— um uh, this has been several years ago now. And, uh, in my last job in Pennsylvania, I was the administrative or executive sergeant. So I didn't get out on the street much, but I was still in charge of the daylight shift. And there was a day that I came and I was coming through this neighborhood and I'm coming down the street and I noticed there was a real long driveway and there was an elderly lady that was pulling garbage bags down. She had like a dozen of them up there. And I knew she had recently lost her husband. I went down to the next cul-de-sac, turned in, came back out, and I was going to go out and help her pull those garbage bags I actually pulled them down for So as I was coming back out to the street, I looked up the hill, and here came another Ferguson Township police car down the street. That car stops the driveway. The officer, I'm not going to name today, gets out, walks up the driveway and pulls every one of those garbage bags down to the road. That's community-oriented policing. The same guy that may have to shoot the guy at the next thing because he's trying to shoot someone just walked up and brought that neighbor, that lady, that community member's garbage down to the road because she needed help.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's community policing. I was so proud of doing that, of him doing that. I, I, I can't tell you. Um, and that that kind of sums things up. You know, At, at one second, we're going to be called upon to save a life Mm-hmm. God forbid, take a life. In the next second, we're helping drag garbage bags down the street. Right.
0: You've alluded a couple of times, and I did want to ask specifically about this. You've alluded a couple of times to the relationship between the borough police and the Department of Public Safety here mm-hmm. at the college. Talk just kind of in broad strokes about how you approach that Um Approach that relationship, and and how you're working. I know you are working to engage kind of more proactively with the Gettysburg College you community. Know, I, I am,
2: and I and I want that relationship to be solid. And I want to I want, I want to digress a little bit and talk about the the town and gown relations. And I t- I talked to just real briefly to your off campus. Uh, at your off-campus meeting, your off-campus housing meeting—I yeah. I don't know what you guys call that—and right. and you know—and I, I tried to get across there, and hopefully I did that. That what I want is that good neighbor thing. I want you know we we see so much you know college-age kids that are doing things, and people you know label the college students falsely for for being bad or causing problems when, when in fact it's a very, very small percentage that -hmm. that that's an issue. But when they see somebody, you know, and it's on Facebook or posted from somebody's ring doorbell of a college age person walking up on a porch, That was just walking by somebody's house, ripping their plants out and throwing them out on the street. You know, the whole college suffers from that. Right. So, you know what? My idea of combating that is if you have the elderly lady that lives on the corner and you're a college student and you live across the street and you see her carrying her groceries in someday, go help her.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Go help her. Let's make a friend. Right. I don't care who they are. If they're your neighbor, let's treat them like neighbors and just thing with with the college students. I, I would say to the to, to the folks that 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 border some college places. You know, they're kids. They're going to want to have get togethers. They might get a little loud. You know what? Foster the relationship enough that you have their cell phone number. You can pick up the phone and call them and say, "Hey, can you do me a favor? It's just a little loud over here. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that." Right. Please don't get me wrong. Don't have any issues whatsoever with having a policeman go up and say, "Hey, guys, turn it down." But does that foster good relations with the folks across the street? No. So my idea of town and gown relations, is I think I can sum it up simply, is community. Mm-hmm. Um, now, working with DPS and back to that subject, I want that same community thing. I, I want i want to assist them. I want them to assist us. When the college is having events, I think we need to do on a threat assessment type basis, we'll look at those events and say, hey, do we need some policemen there? Mm-hmm. All right, let's see if we can, we can you know spin that up and get some policemen there. Um, nice. you know, you're having a big football game or you're having a big athletic event. You're going to have a big crowd. Um, you know, you want policemen there. And I, and I've told Mr. Lafferty, this gives a call. We'll see if we can get policemen there. Right. Uh, I, I, have no issues with that helping out. Uh, and, and I think that's the way it should be. Uh, and, and conversely, I've asked him for help as well. We're having a, uh, on October 4th, I'll kind of put a
1: Plug chime in, in here for the
2: the long 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 dot 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 dinner party that they're having downtown where they're closing Baltimore Street, and uh, and there's a bunch of other events. I know it's your homecoming up here. It's Gettysburg High School homecoming. It's Apple something I think it's Harvest Apple Festival. Harvest Festival uh, yeah. The PML Pennsylvania <laughs> Municipal League conference is in town, so you know my guys are going to be Busy stretched weekend. thin. Uh, I've I've asked Mr. Lafferty if we could borrow a couple of your folks from DPS to help us control traffic in the square. He mm-hmm. said he was going to work on it and try to help. And, and, and you know, th- that's what we need um, and, and to work closer together. It's it's kind of a bit more difficult than what I'm used to from being in, in Center County because Penn State had a police department. So the information could fro- flow more freely because it was police to police, but working on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I know that the, there was there were some plans up here at some time to, to partially arm. Right uh, the DPS officers. And I think we've gone away from that because of, of, you know, our cooperative nature now at the borough and, and the, and DPS and, and the cooperation we, we have. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say there's not some friction, or there's not some bugs to be worked out because there are. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's communication. So, uh, you know, I, I want us to be good neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I want the borough and the college to be good neighbors. And I, I think they are for the most part. And, and, but, you know, any relationship can always be made better, and, and I think that's what we should strive for.
0: Right. If I can ask about one more kind of, I guess, discrete policy issue. I know, and this is one that I know is of interest to many students and, and others on the Gettysburg College campus. I know that the borough just came out with one of the new policies is about cooperation with federal immigration mm-hmm. enforce, enforcement. Could you just kind of give an overview of what that, you know, in broad strokes entails? Yep, certainly can. <laughs> Gettysburg Police Department has contact with someone
2: that we have a reasonable suspicion to believe may be an illegal immigrant, whether that be we got that information from our computer systems when running checks, whether somebody has called us and said this, whether anything that would rise to an articulable, reasonable suspicion, we're going to check with ICE and see if they want you. Mm -hmm. If ICE says, yes, we do, in fact, want them, and we have a criminal warrant for them we're going to hold them but we're going to detain until we sort that out because a lot of the issue now that people have is this is it a civil deportment order or is it a criminal department order um, we're going to sort that out and, and we're going to hold on to somebody as long as it takes within reason it's going to be a reasonable amount of time to for and we're going to give ice a chance to say yes we want them and we will provide you with the paperwork because I can't even put you know if if, if somebody said if Pittsburgh called me and said hey we have a warrant we have we want Ben for burglary Mm-hmm. Can you go arrest them for me? I'm gonna say, certainly, send me your warrant. <laughs> and that warrant is going to have a member of the Pennsylvania Judiciary sign off on it. So that you know, that's what we're looking for. And 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 we will cooperate with ICE. I, ICE, I refuse to take the stance that ICE is evil, that ICE is untrustworthy. I will not do that. They are a federal law enforcement agency that do so much more than Deport people. Mm-hmm. You know they they protect our borders. They keep stuff out that's not supposed to come in. Illegal goods. They fight. Um, you know involuntary servitude, human slavery. They're they're doing those investigations, illegal document investigations. Department of Homeland Security is in charge of all that stuff now, and they do that, and they do it well, and they keep us safe. So they're they're. I just I refuse to jump on that bandwagon that, that that they're evil. They're doing their jobs. They're obeying the law. And the bottom line is we're we're a country of laws, mm-hmm. and, and we can't pick and choose what laws we're going to enforce. You know, I may not like the fact that the speed limit on Washington Street out here is 25 miles an hour, but you know what? That doesn't matter. Right? Doesn't matter. The speed is 25 miles per hour, and that's what our policemen will enforce. It at is 25 miles per hour.
0: Are you at all concerned, you've spoken a lot during this interview about, you know, wanting to foster community and in particular, uh, wanting people to feel that, you know, it's their police department too. Are you at all concerned that this kind of posture is going to make members of the Gettysburg community, such as maybe migrant workers who are are through or or students who may be undocumented, not comfortable talking to the Gettysburg police? I do have that concern.
2: I want If somebody is truly a victim, I want them to call us. I want them to know that we're not, as a general rule, going to check your immigration status just because you pick up the phone and call the police. We need to have a reasonable suspicion. It's got to be more than a mere inkling. It's got to be something there. And we're not, as a rule, going to run victims. We don't, you know, well, Ben called me. Let's see if he's wanted Mm -hmm. for a victim. We don't do that. But what I will say is... There are places and procedures in the system to deal with that. There are U visas and T visas, and a U visa is out there for, to help these folks, even if they're undocumented. If they come here and they're a victim of violent crime, if they're cooperating with the police, we can fill out the U visa form, get it into ICE, and they're, they can get a visa. They can get this U visa and stay because they've been a victim and because they are cooperating. And that's what that's there for. TVS is for human trafficking, so it's basically the same thing. Um, but there are those, those safeguards built in the law. So these folks that are truly like domestic violence victims or things like that, please don't hesitate to call us because we will help you out with the U visa and things like that. But, you know, again, I don't want an underreporting population uh, because what happens is it makes us all – it puts us all at risk because we have, uh, you know, if you don't, if you have a spat with your roommate, let's say, and it's an argument and you don't call the police, and then the next thing you know, you're slapping your roommate and you don't call the police. And then the next thing you know is your roommate's punching you and you don't call the police. And then the next day, this thing's escalated and somebody's got a knife now. Mm-hmm. We've just made everybody, including the neighbors, the policemen, you- you in that much more peril you need to call the police because if we come we can maybe fix it we may be able to de-escalate we may be able to mitigate that original argument Mm -hmm. and and not have to come back and that's our goal is as i said earlier i want to put the resources to problems to fix them rather than having to come back repeatedly to keep fixing them and fixing them and you know that that's resource driven and it's just the right thing to do
0: Mm -hmm. and then one more kind of specific question about that in you you talked about needing to have an articulable uh, reasonable suspicion Mm -hmm. If, you know, in a routine traffic stop sort of situation, when you are running a license plate, will that yield enough information that you could get that kind of suspicion and then go there? Sometimes. Because what what the police
2: routinely do is if, if, let's say I stop you for rolling through a stop sign. I'm going to run your car, Mm -hmm. the registration on your car to make sure everything's valid. And I have to do that now because we don't have the stickers on the plates anymore. Right. And I'm probably going to run you, and some systems out there run the owner of the car automatically. Uh, There's a traffic stop feature for officer safety purposes to make sure nobody's wanted. And sometimes that'll pop up as wanted from ICE, and sometimes an ICE thing will pop up in there. And that's what I'm talking about is an articulable, reasonable suspicion. Hey, ICE wants this person. Okay, well, let's get in touch with ICE. Mm -hmm. Let's see why they want them. Do they want them because there's been a civil deportment? I don't know what they call them, orders, warrants, whatever, a, a, a civil issue type thing. Is that what they want them for, or is this a criminal deportment type thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes, I'm going to be honest with you, even if it's a criminal deportment type thing, I can count on one hand the number of times in a 30 plus year career that ISIS said to me, yeah, I want them. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally one hand. Uh, I hate to call this, uh, you know, I hesitate to say it's a non-issue, but I think in 30-some-plus years (laughs) with one hand of counting that that I can count them, it's it's really, it doesn't happen that often. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, it's we're going to enforce the law. And it's not just going to be, you know, because whatever, we just had an inkling. Um, You know, we also have a policy, what's called bias-based policing. And that's that's required by law, uh, required for accreditation. Right. And and just to say, well, I'm going to check this person because of their race or because of their name or something along those lines. We can't do that. Right. We, we just can't do that anymore. That'd be like a profiling type issue, which we can't profile. The courts have ruled over and over again: no profiling. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're we're not going to do any bias-based policing. We're not going to profile. But if we do through the course of a normal investigation, which we do every other time, vehicle stop, like the procedures I just told you, latch on to something that says that perhaps you're wanted, we are going to voir dire Mm -hmm. that situation. Because we have to. We have to make sure everybody's safe. We have to make sure everybody's obeying the law. We are sworn to do that.
0: Right. And last question, looking at kind of the big picture, what are the top one or two things that you would want members of the Gettysburg College community, students or faculty or whomever else to know about what you're trying to do here with the Gettysburg police?
2: Well, you know, I... I say it and I don't wanna misinterpret it, my job's not to arrest you, my job's to keep you safe. My job is, and I said this to start, my job is most certainly if I have to, to arrest you, mm-hmm. or if I should to arrest you, or if I have the evidence to arrest you, to arrest you. But what I don't want the members of the college community to think is I'm gonna to try to invent a reason to arrest you because you're a college student. And and now I can expand upon that a little bit. One of my biggest pet peeves, and always has been as a policeman, is when you walk by the parent and in uniform, or a policeman walks by in uniform and says, watch out if you don't eat your dinner, he's gonna arrest you and lock you up. You've just villainified the police. And instead of telling that child, hey, that's the guy that's going to help you if you ever lost, if you ever lost your way, if somebody's trying to, you know, kidnap you, whatever the case may be, you run to the person in that uniform. You're telling them run away. You're telling them don't go near that person. They're bad. They're going to lock you up. No, don't do that. We're here to help. Mm -hmm. We're here to solve your problems. And that that is ideally what we want to do is solve the problem that's associated with that. I would never in a million years say we're not going to arrest you if you do something wrong because we are.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We are. Uh, it's it's part of our job. But as, as I alluded to earlier, you know, that arrest is part of a solution to that problem. It's not the solution.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Does that answer that question?
0: I think so. <laughs> Chief Rob Glenny, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me, Ben.
0: Uh, that's on target for this week. We'd like to thank Rob Glenny for being our featured guest today.
1: We'd also like to thank the staff of the Gettysburgian and the executive board of WZBT for their ongoing support of this project. Please be sure to subscribe to On Target on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts.
0: On Target is a joint production of the Gettysburgian and WZBT. The music was composed by Diego Rocha, a 2019 graduate at Sunderman Conservatory of Music, currently pursuing a master's in music composition at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. Join us next week. I'm not sure who our guest will be, but I'm sure it'll be great. Until then, have a great week.